welcome to all of you this evening. If there are any guests with us this evening, we welcome you on this Father's Day evening. Amen. To those of you joining online tonight, we welcome you wherever you are. And I, I, I every now and then I try to just remind you, that's, that's not to be trite. Number one, we have brothers and sisters that are a part of us that every service for various ones for sickness issues are joining online. And we've got others for various reasons that faithfully join us. In fact, my mother called me yet last night after the United service because she got a, a message from a prodigal that just sort of happened to come across the service on last night, reached out to her to say how much it impacted and what what God did. So you never know. Amen. Genesis chapter 37. I want to start with verse 3. A couple of verses and then we'll jump down later in the chapter. Oh, why not start with verse 1? That's a, that's a bishop for you. And Jacob dwelt in the land wherein his father was a stranger in the land of Canaan. These are the generations of Jacob. Joseph, being 17 years old, was feeding the flock with his brethren. And the lad was with some of the, with some of the sons of Bilhah and with the sons of Zilpah, his father's wives, and Joseph brought unto his father their evil report. Now Israel loved Joseph more than all his children. There were some very great dysfunctional men in the Bible. And women too. Israel loved Joseph more than all his children. I'm just telling you, if you got more than one kid, you're not supposed to love more one more. And I realize we got four, and sometimes, you know, one gets on your nerves more than the other, but... Still supposed to love them all equally. Israel loved Joseph more than all his children because he was the son of his old age and made him a coat of many colors. And when his brethren saw that their father loved him more than all his brethren, they hated him and could not speak peaceably unto him. And Joseph dreamed a dream and made the mistake of telling his brethren and they hated him even more wasn't in there if you weren't reading. Skipping down to verse number 23. And it came to pass when Joseph was come unto his brethren that they stripped Joseph out of his coat, his coat of many colors and that was on him. And they took him and cast him into a pit, and the pit was empty. There was no water in it. And they sat down to eat bread and they lifted up their eyes and looked and behold a company of Ishmaelites came from Gilead with their camels bearing spicery and balm and myrrh going to carry it down to Egypt and Judah said unto his brethren what profit is it if we slay our brother and conceal his blood <laughs> this family needed Jesus come and let us sell him to the Ishmaelites, and let not our hand be upon him, for he is our brother and our flesh. <laughs> we don't like him. We're, 
We, we really shouldn't kill him. Let's just sell him because he is our brother. <laughs> There's some great stuff in the Bible. And his brethren were content. <laughs> then there passed by Midianites merchantmen, and they threw and they drew, excuse me, and lifted up Joseph out of the pit and sold Joseph to the Ishmaelites for twenty pieces of silver. And they brought Joseph into Egypt. I want to preach to you tonight for a few minutes on this subject. God did it. God did it. Lord, thank you for your awesome presence that has been manifested in this sanctuary this evening. God, I pray. I pray that you would help us never take your presence for granted. Never treat it as if it's just something we can casually have whenever we want it. Help us to reverence the value, the significance of your presence and being in your presence. Thank you for your spirit, God, that I believe has already touched some people in this service this evening. You've already ministered in this place, and I thank you for that, Lord. And now I pray that through your word, speak to us tonight. I pray, God, that you would give someone ears to hear tonight and that you would give them faith to receive, that they would mix your word with faith, that they might be profited. I trust you and depend on you tonight, Lord, in Jesus' name, amen. God bless you. You may be seated. I would imagine, by what I can see here this evening, most of you have some degree of familiarity with the story of Joseph, so I don't have to give you all of the details of it. No doubt the passage that I have read to you from here in the beginning is one of the most significant parts of his story. It's kind of where things really begin to to amp up. And I want you to, to notice clearly in the verses that I read to you, first of all, again, it was very clear that his brethren did not like him. They had issues with him, and I don't know, from a natural perspective, you could almost say rightfully so. I mean, if their dad is showing that kind of favoritism, it's one thing when you when you just think there's favoritism. It's another thing. I mean, when you go and give him his own special, unique coat, it just confirms what everybody was thinking. <laughs> and so again, Joseph dreams, and, and I really believe, uh, I really believe if Joseph would have known the things that would unfold in his life, I am of the opinion he would not have told the dream to his brethren, that he would have just hid it away in his heart. But obviously it was all a part of God's plan to fulfill the dream that he had given Joseph. And then, of course, especially verses 23 through 28, it, it doesn't take, you know, you don't need commentaries, you don't even need other translations to get the gist of the fact in these verses, what his brethren, it's very clear, the, the, it's very clearly stated. Verse 23, he came to his brethren and they stripped him of his coat. And, 
and they cast him into a pit and 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 this is what his brethren did and his brethren verse verse 26 it's one of his brothers that says you know what good is it if we just kill him and hide the body let's 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 sell him to the ishmaelites and 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 here comes the these midianites and and so the it's it's his brethren that are working together and scheming and plotting to sell him somebody say his brethren his brethren not his enemies not the sinner his brethren they conspire against him they they force him no doubt against his will to have to leave home leave the comfort of his family and leave a father of whom he is the favorite sent on this journey not knowing what the future would hold, not knowing the, the, the degree of trials and suffering that he would have to go to. It is, it is extremely clear in this chapter who it was that did this to Joseph. And no doubt I would suspect there was a season of time in which that is the way that Joseph felt. I I believe that if Joseph's brethren would have shown up in Egypt any sooner than they did, he would have not responded the same way he did. I believe there was a process that God was working out in him so that by the time his brethren got to him, he would not respond with revenge and get even. You messed up my life, here's my chance to get back at you. But as I was studying a couple of weeks ago, in fact, for the message I preached last Sunday morning, I was looking for one particular verse which I used as a part of the message Last Sunday morning, that's the verse where after, I believe it's after the death of Jacob, Joseph's brethren are a little bit nervous now because his father's gone. And, and that's when he says to them, what you meant for evil, God meant for good. What you intended to be for evil, you were mad, you were angry, you, 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 you resented me. So you sold me what you intended for evil, God meant for good. But but as I was trying to find that verse, and I've had to read, I've had, I don't mean it to sound negatively, but in order to get ministerial license, I've had to read the Bible through several times. So I've read some verses, I know I've read them before, but as I was studying again for last Sunday morning, In the course of that, I came across some verses that, while I've read them before, I I somehow missed them before. Because I want you to see what Joseph says in chapter 45. Now, there's really 
there's really kind of two sides to this message this evening. There's, there's, I think there's two basic things that maybe one will apply to some and the other to others or in some way both will apply. But I, I want you, I want you to hear now. And, and this is, this is, uh, this is, this is, well over a decade, I don't know the exact timeline, but, but I think it's easily over a decade from the time Joseph was sold by his brothers to now this reunion that takes place. Partly know that because, first of all, he went through seven years of plenty. They didn't come until it was famine. He went through ever how many years of slavery in Potiphar's house, and then being thrown into prison. So there's quite a significant amount of time that has passed. One one side of this, and and this is, I hope somebody will truly hear and receive this tonight. One side of this is, is the understanding of what Joseph came to. Of who really did what. Of who was really truly in control. Genesis 45 and verse 1 says, Then Joseph, this is, so, so again, I know most of you know this story, but his brethren have already come. He's already had some interactions with them. He's, he's already kept, uh, I forget which one, but he kept one of them prisoner, sends them back home asks them to bring back his younger brother. And so uh, he, he finally reaches the point after several interactions. He can, could not refrain himself before all them that stood by him. And he cried, Cause every man to go out from me. And there stood no man with him while Joseph made himself known unto his brethren. And he wept aloud, and the Egyptians in the house of Pharaoh heard. And Joseph said unto his brethren, I am Joseph. Doth my father yet live? And his brethren could not answer him, for they were troubled at his presence. No doubt they were troubled because they thought, "Uh uh-oh. Now therefore, be not grieved. Here we go, here we go. Listen, listen, watch. What Joseph now says to his brethren. Because this really is even more significant, in my opinion, than simply saying what you meant for evil, God meant for good. Because he now tells his brothers, Don't get angry with yourselves that you sold me hither. Don't get angry with me that you, don't get angry with yourselves that you sold me. God. God did send me before you to preserve life. That's not what we read in chapter 37. In chapter 37 we read some bitter brothers who were 
getting their revenge on Joseph. But now Joseph says, hey, don't don't get upset with yourselves. It was actually God who did this, and God did this to send me ahead to preserve you. I've come to challenge somebody tonight. What are the circumstances that you have been through or that you may be in? That it you may be looking at an individual or blaming someone or something that ultimately it was God who was doing it because He was sending you for a purpose. For these two years hath the famine been in the land, and yet there are five years in the which there shall neither be earing nor harvest, and God, and God. You are not where you are tonight because of your circumstances. You are not where you are tonight because of chance. You are not where you are tonight because that's just the hand of cards that life has dealt you. I've come to tell somebody tonight, you need to get some confidence that where you are, how you got there, God is the one who has sent you. God sent me before you to preserve you a posterity in the earth and to save your lives by a great deliverance. So now it was not you that sent me hither, but God. And he hath made me a father to Pharaoh and lord of all his house and ruler throughout all the land of Egypt. It was God that sent me. Can I tell you, and I've preached at different times, either in passing, a few times there's a couple of messages that I preach pretty much specifically about this, but, but I think most of us struggle with this idea of expecting this very sort of almost mystical encounter with God to, to tell us what to do, where to go. what. And most of the time we're not getting that. Can I remind you that Joseph didn't wake up one morning having had a vision. Thus saith the Lord, or, a, or, or the Lord speak to him in the night. Thus saith the Lord, Joseph, go to Egypt. He didn't go to Egypt by choice. He didn't leave home by choice. He was, he, it, was, it was his circumstances. You're not where you are by chance. You're not where you are by accident. I'm telling you tonight, God has sent you. And just like Joseph, you need to understand that a lot of times it's, an, it's a path of adversity that God uses to get you to the place of your purpose. It wasn't some vacation that Joseph went on to end up in Egypt to become the number two man in all of Egypt. It was a difficult road. It was, it was what seemed to be betrayal. It was what seemed to be disappointment. It was what seemed to be people that you can trust in selling you out. You might want to be careful who you're cursing right now because it may be that God set them up in your life to help get you out of 
where you were and get you to go into where He has for you to be. It's not life. It's not the devil. It's God. God. I don't know. I don't know if that does the same thing to you. It did to me when I read those verses. Because I know who sold him. I know who betrayed him. I know what he went through, but he says, you didn't do this. You didn't do this. God was in charge all along. Now, I'm going I'm to say it I, again, I, in, in, the con, uh, in, in addition to not thinking he, he would have treated his brothers the same way had they shown up sooner. I, I, I'm pretty sure it took Joseph some amount of time to get to the place to be able to say, don't get upset with yourselves. You, you didn't do this. I'm pretty sure it took him a little while to get there. But he finally got to the place, instead of resenting what had been done to him, instead of resenting the things he had gone through, he now says, God did it. God did it. You didn't do this to me. God did this to me. How many of you, there's probably going to be one of you, two of you, maybe, but if there's, if there's more than that, I'm going I'm gonna, I'm gonna to be absolutely shocked. How many of you, went, when you came to Antioch, whether you came, you were already saved, or you, you got saved here, how many of you came to Antioch because God spoke to you in an almost audible voice? Anybody? I, I knew, figured there'd be a hand or two. How about a dream or a vision? Anybody was yet a dream? So now, how many of you didn't have God tell you come to Antioch? How many of you didn't? I didn't. I got born here. I. You didn't get here by some seemingly super spiritual process. I've said it to you one-on-one. I've said I've used you publicly. It was the Air Force that sent you here. Who do you work for, Olivia? It was the traveling agency that sent you here. Just, just. It was a job in Ocean City. College. Some preacher. Somebody needs to know tonight. Somebody needs to leave this place with a certainty. It's God. It's not chance. It's not circumstances. It is circumstances, but there's somebody behind the hurt, the circumstances. Now I'm going to tell you if you if you if you're living stubbornly and and rebelliously God's not God's not going to mandate anything but I believe with all of my heart if you are living with a hunger and a desire for God's will to be done in your life you can trust that God is orchestrating the circumstances 
I've used this for years now, but, but, but I believe when it comes to, with regards to the world and the direction the world's going, we're supposed to be like a salmon. A salmon swims upstream against the current. It'll jump waterfalls. It, I don't know how high it can jump them, but it'll jump waterfalls swimming against the current to get to its destination to lay its eggs. And when it comes to this world, if you don't have that kind of determination, you're in trouble. But when it comes to the will of God and the plan of God in our lives, we're not supposed to be a salmon. I think we're supposed to be a jellyfish. Because a jellyfish... Not bad, huh? A jellyfish just follows the current. So if I will just stay in the right current, he may not speak to me in my ear every single thing to do, but that's okay, I'm in the current. And he knows how to guide the current. He knows how to get me to where I need to be. So it's not my boss that did it. It's not the military that did it. It's not my job that did it. It's not anybody else that did it. But it was God that did it. And the reason God did it is not because he was angry with me, but he had a purpose for me. And so he used it to get me to the place that he wanted me to be God did it God did it God did it well I, I'm gonna, let, let's see if we really test our faith tonight what, what if we said COVID God did it ooh I'm not really saying he did. I do. I do. He had to have allowed it. Here's here's the here's the bottom line. First of all, for it to get to you, God had to have allowed it to get to you. And if God lets it get to you, the assurance is it's for a good reason. I'm not preaching it's easy. I'm not saying it's all just wonderful that God did it, but it's good news that God did it. It's good news to know that it really wasn't you brothers and your bitterness toward me that did it. It It was God. It was God. It was God that was working and orchestrating and and positioning and and, and moving this and setting that up to get me here because God knew that years later our family was going to need food. And so that's the way He chose to get me here, but it was God. The psalmist said in Psalm 138 and verse number 8, The Lord will work out His... This is the New Living Translation. The King James says, The Lord will perfect that. 
complete that which concerns me. The New Living Translation says, The Lord will work out His plans for my life. For your faithful love, O Lord, endures forever. Don't abandon me, for you made me. If I am submitted and surrendered to His will for my life, I can trust that He's going to work out His plan for my life. I, I, I think somehow we, we need to get an... I, I'm not saying you can see it all, know it all, but we need to get an appreciation for how much God is in the circumstances. I, I, we, you guys have been married 10 years now, right? Almost 10. And, and, oh, sorry, 11. Whew. No, he didn't say that. I'm just, wow. I think back was back to the high school days when Megan started coming on. She just started coming on Sunday nights. They didn't have church. She just... I think she was coming with a friend or something initially, yeah. Yeah. Just coming to church. He said, yes, sir. (laughs) But she, she, she didn't show up because God said, go to Antioch on Sunday nights and find Stephen. No. No, she, she just... Now here we are, almost 11 years, three boys, amazing family. God, God did it. God did it. I know that's how you guys got here, right? Yeah, yeah. You said it out loud. I guess I can repeat it. Can I? Should I not repeat it? You said a heathen woman got him here. I know some of the story. The Lord didn't show up at their house one day and say, "Bruce, I'm sure he'd probably call your brother and sister Ellenberger." So. <laughs> I want y'all to go to Annapolis. I'm sending you. No, no. God. I know it's I know it's a holiday. I know it's fall. I know, I know, I know, I know, and I know y'all are the faithful few that decided to still come. God. God. God did it. How, how does someone from France end up in Arnold, Maryland? God. God, God did it. I I was going to read it. I I won't take the time to read it all, but I I know the story doesn't end well. But the the first king, the first king of Israel, actually I'm going to read a part of it. It, Saul's father's got some donkeys that wander off. Just so happens that Saul's father's got some donkeys that wander off. And he sends his father. Oh, I wish somebody would get this tonight. Saul's father sends him to find the donkeys. He is out searching for the donkeys because his father sent him. And, 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 he, and he, he's, he's going to meet 
the prophet. But but listen, actually I will read it. Just just First Samuel nine one. Now there was a man of Benjamin whose name was Kish. The son of Abiel, the son of Zeror, the son of Becherath, the son of Aphiah, Benjamite, a mighty man of power. And he had a son whose name was Saul, a choice young man and a goodly. And there was not among the children of Israel a goodlier person than he. For his shoulders are up and upward he was higher than any of the people. And he had donkeys, and, and the donkeys of Kish's Saul's father were lost. And Kish said to Saul, his son, take now one of thy servants and go find them. It's his father. His father sends him. I, I wonder. I wonder if when his father says, "Hey Saul, we, the donkeys are gone," so ain't my problem. Your problem. I wonder if he went and, and perhaps when he left to go after them, maybe he wasn't going cheerfully. Maybe he was going simply out of obedience. And, 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 and obligation, and probably there's a chance he wasn't going with a joyful spirit. He had no idea what some lost donkeys were setting him up for. But watch this, watch this. This is, this is amazing to me. Verse 15 Chapter 9, the Lord had told Samuel in his ear a day before Saul came, saying, Tomorrow, about this time, I, I will send a man out of the land of Benjamin. Wait a minute, who was it that sent Saul? Who sent Saul? According to what we read a few verses before, it was Saul's father who sent him. But God says to Samuel, Get ready. I, I'm sending a man your way, and this is going to be the man for you to anoint to be the king of Israel. I guess I've missed it tonight. I guess I'm preaching to people that you just know where you are and you're certain and confident how you got there. I apologize for taking up your time on this Father's Day evening. I'm pretty sure there's a bunch of you that are in and have been through circumstances that it appeared to be it was something or someone that was doing it. But all along it was God in control for a purpose. To bring you to the fulfillment of your purpose. I've been born and raised in this. I'm sorry to tell you, at least for some of you, others of you, hopefully this will encourage you. Some of you may disappoint or disillusion you. But I'm still waiting for one of those experiences where God speaks to me in that audible voice to tell me what to do. Again, at the risk of disillusioning maybe some of you, 
I don't, at least in from my perspective, I cannot tell you of one significant decision in my life where I felt like God told me what to do. I know He does that. In fact, it makes me mad that He does that. Because I've heard plenty of stories of those He's done that for. And I promise you, I've prayed, I've fasted, I've tried everything to twist His arm to do that for me, especially a few times when it was significant decisions in my life that I wanted to do His will. Not one time that I feel like, that I can think of. Some of y'all think, and apparently a few folks around here give the advice, you better not marry anyone until God speaks to you and tells you it's the will of God. I got a problem. God never told me to marry Angela Houston. I guess I made a mistake. We've only been married 30 years now. I, I... I got, I got to tell you, while I have never can pinpoint any of those moments, there's not one doubt in my mind tonight that I am where I am in the will of God. And I'm preaching to some people tonight that you need to get a revelation. It's not your circumstances. It's, it's not just life that has been guiding you and getting to where you are. But God did it. Of course, part of the problem is accepting the fact that God did it. Because why did God have to do it that way? Why did God have to do it through a heathen woman? Why did God have to use adverse circumstances with Joseph? Why couldn't He have just let it have been... A five-star vacation to get to his destination doesn't happen. But it doesn't negate the fact that God is positioning. And Joseph says, what, God, what you did, God did it because God knew what was coming. And God was getting me at the right place at the right time for a purpose. Job, I got it in my notes. I won't read it. It's the last couple of verses of Job chapter 1. Job gets all the reports of all of the tragedies that happened that day in his life. Loses all of his possessions. Everything's gone. Again, the icing on the cake. The icing on the cake is... He loses seven sons, three daughters. I, I, what the traitor family is going through still, going through is a very difficult thing. But I know, I'm pretty certain, there is some degree of consolation that everybody's still alive. We may have lost stuff, but we have everybody. I think Job would have been, he would have been 
I mean, it wouldn't have been easy, but he'd have been okay having lost all of his possessions. But the final news is all of your kids, seven sons, three daughters, one single accident, they're all gone. And the Bible says, Job responds and says, The Lord gives. And the Lord takes away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Now, we talk about that story. We preach about it. I preached it. Who was it that took all of Job's stuff? From the way the story unfolds, it was the devil. It was the devil that took his possessions. It was the devil that touched his body. But Job responds and says, The Lord gives and the Lord takes away. I've said many times throughout my ministry, whatever the bad stuff is, God didn't cause it. He may have allowed it, but He didn't cause it. You know why we have to say that? Because we can't trust God that if He caused bad stuff, it's okay. So we have to tell people to try to help them. God didn't cause it, He just allowed it. And so some people can work through it easier knowing, well, God didn't cause it. He just. I just listened the other day to, the, to a video of, I, I'm not going to call names at this point, but a name, a, a, a former gospel singer that if I called the name, many of you would know in this place. I came across some videos of him the other day and sharing about the new things he now believes and he doesn't view God the same way he used to. He was a fundamentalist Pentecostal. Part of the problem he has is, is that at 10 years old, his 53-year-old grandmother was diagnosed with cancer. And at 10 years old, he fasted and prayed for three days. And she still died. And so he now does not have the same beliefs he used to have because he doesn't See how God can be a good God. In fact, he made a statement. I've never heard anybody else say anything else like it in my life. He said that Jesus was a better God than God. Obviously, there's so many levels on which that is messed up. But part of what he was talking about was Jesus was this kind, loving, caring person, but the God of the Old Testament was this... So the problem is too many of us can't handle if God did it. So we've got to somehow rationalize it. Well, God didn't do it. He just allowed it. So we know, we know the story that it was Satan that God allowed to do it. But Job didn't know that. Job didn't have the book of Job to read. So Job says, the Lord gives, and the Lord takes away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Because here's the deal. 
If you can live like that, I'm assuming you're talking all about the great message I'm preaching, not about something else, because if you're sitting there talking about something else, you're welcome just to go someplace else and talk all you want to. The Lord gives and the Lord takes. If I can trust the Lord to give or take, I'm, there's a word I'm trying to come up with, I can't get it. I'm not, it's not undefeatable, it's invincible, there it is, thank you. If I can live with the confidence the Lord gives, the Lord takes, I am invincible. Because what is the thing the enemy wants to do? Accuse God. So if his accusations against God fall to the ground off of my ears, what chance does he have? So if I can say the Lord gives and the Lord takes, even if the Lord really wasn't the one doing it, that means I have such trust and confidence in the Lord, in His character, His nature, His purposes that He is fulfilling them in my life. And therefore I can trust that it's not people that have neglected me, forsaken me, mistreated me. It's not God who's been unfair and unjust. It is God who is allowing and using all of these things to get me to the right place at the right time for the right purpose. God did it. God. God. You know what? I'll go a step further. Did God make you sin? Did God make you make mistakes? Of course not. But did God know the sins you would commit and the mistakes that you were going to make? Did he? Yeah. Has there ever been one time in your life you did or said something and God looked down at you and said, I cannot believe you just did that. You have totally caught me by surprise. Never. Not one time. And therefore... If he's never been taken off guard by what you've done or said, he knew in advance, then all of that is incorporated. I've said it before. You following your GPS in the car and you miss a turn, it will come back on and say rerouting. It's still going to get you to the destination, but it's now taking a different route to get there. Can I tell you tonight, God has never, I don't believe, I think I can demonstrate this biblically, God has never one time in your life responded to one of your decisions and said, rerouting. Because from the very beginning, God knew every step you would take, every direction you would go. Therefore, from the beginning, it was all calculated in His plan. So God did it, but you've got to trust, not only is God doing it, but everything that God does is for my good. It's all for my good. And you know what, I, I know this for myself, maybe this doesn't apply to all of you, but I know one reason that I've desperately wanted all these years for God to just speak to me. Because if God actually does speak, and you know it's God, there's really not as much of a level of trust that's needed to follow that. 
versus the trust of, oh boy, I'm pretty sure, I feel like, I think this is the direction I'm supposed to be going. So God, I'm, tr- I'm trusting you. Trusting you that you're guiding. I'm trusting you that you're leading. You you haven't told me. Again, don't get me wrong. I know God speaks to people. I know he can speak to me. I know he tells people what to do. I know he's told some people who to marry. I know there's some people that thought he told them who to marry and somebody got it wrong because they married somebody else. I know God can... I'm not minimizing, discounting God speaks... I got a feeling if we did a survey, there'd be a good portion of you that can relate to what I'm saying tonight. What what could happen in our minds, our hearts, our spirits, if we could leave this place tonight with the confidence God did it. God is doing it. If it doesn't fit in God's plan, He can and will stop it. But if He's not stopping it, He's allowing it, and I'm not forcing it, I can trust that God did it. What would have happened to Saul... If he would have responded to Samuel and said, I'm sorry, I can't be the king. I'm just out here trying to find some donkeys. God never told me I was going to be king. No. It was just. I, it, it, I mean, of course, we're in a relatively military area, not just the Naval Academy, several things around our area. 2019, right? Wasn't it 2019? 2019, the Navy sent Gus to Maryland. Well, you may have already been here, but 2019, he shows up to church because of the Navy. Just, Just going where the Navy sent you. And now, three years later, Wife, kids. Navy didn't do it. God did it. Now that one's a little easier to swallow than this one. You say, brother, right? You saying God causes pain and heart? No, but God uses it. There I go again. I got to say that because some of you, if I say God did it, you'd leave. No, not really. I don't, I don't think God causes, but I do think he allows it to be a part of the process. Because it's some of that pain and suffering in that process that's also developing and growing you. your family 
Not your job, not your education, not God. God was orchestrating the moves and the steps to position you for a purpose. I guess that other side of the message is if you'd rather hold on to your bitterness and resentment towards those that seem to have betrayed you, seem to have let you down. The process, the fulfillment will never be complete. Because if you're more interested in revenge and getting even than you are in God's purpose and God's plan. God may have been trying to do it, but I've got to cooperate. Again, as I'm winding down, I don't think Joseph started out from the very beginning with this positive outlook. It was all God. It's all good because it was all God. But as time went on and things unfolded, I believe more and more he began to see God just used these different things as a part. I keep I, if I if I started. Addressing everyone individually, we'd be here all night because as I continue ministering, I, I, different ones of you, I, I look at you and I th- think of what I know about your story. How long, Christian, were you supposed to be? Like a year? You're supposed to be here for a year. Job sent you here for a year. She's been here for more than a year, and I'm pretty sure she's not leaving now. God. God. God did it. Just, just, I, yeah, I know I got, got, you know, message on Facebook. Hey, my sister's coming to the area, and job sends you here, and. I remember, if I'm not mistaken, it was a Thursday night when you first came, and pretty sure you sat in the middle section about part way back and showed up. And okay, well, she's here for her job for six months, right? We're past six months. Yeah, it's been a year. Yeah, almost a year. Yeah. Uh-huh. Well, it's been an amazing growth and transformation not that there was anything wrong with you when you came but it was it was just a job just a job now she's trying to stay forever god oh god did it 
remember looking back 2020 one Sunday morning. I know you'd been before, but looking back, seeing you back in the middle back there. Didn't really know anything about you. Here you are because the Air Force sent you. Now, I understand God using the Navy, but I don't, I don't know about God now. Sorry, it's just in the genes. It just, just it's a part of my DNA. God. God. I, I, this guy, I've told this before, man. You want to talk about first impressions being wrong. I think I've told this before. I maybe shouldn't tell it again, but my my, my image that it was seared in my mind for years of Jim Barr at the time was a it was from a softball tournament in Frederick, Maryland. We were playing Lexington Park, which that was the church he was a part of. Bishop was pitching, and Bishop was a very good pitcher. He pitched for years for the church softball team. And I'd never seen this happen with him before or since. But that day, he completely lost the strike zone. He couldn't even throw a strike. And I think he had walked a batter or two. Literally, I think he was—he had not thrown a strike, and multiple, it was all balls. And Brother Barr, this man right here, I can't. I, nowadays, I look back, and I can't imagine. I'm out in left field. This dude walks up to the plate, and if you know anything about baseball and the way it works, I, he walks up, gets in the box as a right-handed batter. If you're a right-handed batter, this is how you get set. Right? He gets in the box, Brother Middleton. I don't, you probably, I don't, you, we don't know this, Jim. He gets in the batter's box, stands in the box, and lays the bat. On the left shoulder as if to say, I dare you to finally throw a strike. I don't, that, I if that's really who he was, that's not the guy I know. This is one awesome man. But think about Brother Barr. What Lexington Park, past started church. Some challenges and difficulties along the way. God. God did it. God did it. I told you I could go on all night. I'm trying not to go on all night, but it just, it's a, as I keep looking, it's amazing. Sister Goward, precious lady attending church in California, originally from this area, comes back home to take care of her mom. Now she's just such a wonderful part of us. God, God did it. Why don't you let the bitterness go tonight? Why don't you let the resentment and the anger go and just trust God did it, God's doing it, God's going to do it. 
He may not tell me every single detail of every step to take, but God, God, God did it. God's doing it. I, I want you to stand, and I'm going to feel to give this kind of an altar call, and I realize it'll take a little bit of honesty and vulnerability, but if there's anybody here tonight, and you're just, you're kind of struggling, questioning Maybe it's a long-term question or struggle, or maybe it's because of just where some things are, what you're going through right now, but you just, you just need God to reassure you tonight. It may look like brothers betraying you. It may look like random circumstances of having to go find some stray donkeys. But really... Really, it's, it's God. It's God moving you into position. No, He's not using the most pleasant, enjoyable of circumstances to do it. But it's God moving you into position for what He has for you. If you've got any, any struggles of trusting and believing that tonight, would, would you just... Would you step down to this altar and just, just lift your hands to the Lord and just, just ask Him, nothing else, just ask Him to help you receive the word that has been spoken and to give you some trust and assurance. I know this, this, this in from some ways in comparison to other issues and struggles some people are going through, this may seem minor. But if it's you, it's not minor. I, I think there's some of you here tonight, you, you have been tormented for years and years and years by the enemy. That your life, that the way it's unfolding is just chance. It's just all these circumstances, random circumstances, but... But, but as simple as it is tonight, God has sent me to tell you. He's got you. He's in control. He's the one. Whether you hear His voice or not, He's the one ordering your steps. If you're, if you're pursuing His will, if you're seeking to be submitted and surrendered to Him... Then, then it's God that's doing it and you can trust God to do it. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. If you don't need to respond for yourself right now, would you, would you maybe let the Lord use you to come minister to one of these folks that are in the altar? Maybe somebody's battling with some worry about your future and you need God to just give you some assurance tonight I, I've got you I've got you even if I don't tell you every little detail of what I'm doing of how I'm going to do it even if I don't tell you every step to take I just want you to know I, I'm doing it I'm guiding you I'm positioning you I'm ordering your steps and it's all going to be for good. I realize the circumstances to get there may not always feel good. They may not always seem good, but we've, we can trust. We can trust 
Everything that God's doing, everything that God is allowing, it's all working together for something that is good in my life. the name of Jesus. I know Joseph didn't realize it in the beginning. I know Joseph may not have understood it when his brothers first sold him. I know he probably felt the betrayal. I know he probably felt abandoned, neglected, forsaken. But he reached the point of looking back and seeing, God, you were in it all. God, you were in it all. You were at work through it all. You were guiding me and leading me in the midst of it all. God, you did it. God, you did it. God, you did it. You didn't do it for evil. You didn't do it to hurt me. It may have been painful. I may have suffered through some of it, but... The purpose was getting me to the place that you have for me. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. I pray, God, right now for anyone that may be battling bitterness and resentment because of the things you've chosen to use to position them. God, help them to release that tonight. Help them to release that bitterness, that unforgiveness. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. Through it all. Through it all, God. Through it all. I'm not here by chance. I'm not here by accident. I'm going, whatever happens, it's not chance. You're in control. You're in control. And I thank him for the valleys. And I thank him for the storms he's brought me through. The name of Jesus. The name of Jesus. Oh yes, Lord. Yes, Lord. We are. We're probably not gonna understand your ways. We're probably not even gonna like your ways, but we can trust your ways. We can trust your character. We can trust your heart.
depend on you because I've learned your ways are good. I've learned your ways are right. I've learned that you're trustworthy. You're dependable. You're reliable, God. And I thank him for the valleys. Every storm. And I thank him for the storms he's brought Every storm you brought me through was all a part of what you were Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Depend. 